Welcome to the How to Survive a Horror Movie Podcast, where we learn how to survive horror movies and maybe how to survive life and live-action cartoons. <laughs> I'm your host, Ryan Stacy, and today we are talking about one of the greatest movies ever made, 1991's Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Hey, you forgot the power The sixth and definitely the final film in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. This is a big podcast for a couple of reasons. One, this is one of the greatest movies ever made. Two, this is our first three-person podcast. We have our Nightmare on Elm Street correspondent, Josh Wessler, here as always. Josh? Hello. Welcome back. It's good to be back. It's been, it's been a while since we've done a Nightmare film. I was starting to jones for it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> and we have someone we could not possibly do this podcast without. My fellow number one fan of Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, uh, my good buddy Jordan Ryan. Jordan, how you doing? Now I'm playing with power! <laughs> <laughs> You're goddamn right. Now, Josh can attest to this. We have one movie poster in this apartment, and it is of Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. This isn't a joke. I, I legitimately have a framed poster of this in my room, because Josh will not let me hang it out in the living room, but it is in my room. I've had it for like three years now, maybe four. Yeah. Yeah, it's really unfortunate. <laughs> um, and I don't know why you would ever hang it up in... The living room or anywhere else because you haven't even hung it up in your room. It's art, Josh. It's just sitting on the floor. <laughs> well, it's 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 in the corner. It's not like laying down on the floor. It's it's for, it, you can see it. It's the first thing you see when you enter the room. Yes, um, that's all you need to know. If you if you if you bring someone home and they go into your room, now they know what they're in for. They <laughs> they have all the information they need. <laughs> it's going to get weird. <laughs> Uh, but I, I I love this movie because it is so weird. When we were in college, we were all gone over Christmas break, and Ryan texted a group chat we were both in, all caps, excited as could be, that he got a copy of Freddy's Dead on Blu-ray for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I own two copies of this movie, one on DVD, one on Blu-ray. I, I'm over the moon about this movie. It brings me so much joy to watch it. I love, love, love this movie. I can't even give it a proper score because... It's beyond a guilty pleasure. So I, I can't really score this movie. It's like infinity divided by zero or something like that. <laughs> I, on my Rotten Tomatoes account, I, I've given it a perfect score. Uh, and, and I write in the comments, I wish I could give this six stars out of five. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. And every time I watch it, I love it even more. So uh, this is going to be fun. I've been wanting to do this podcast like more than any other podcast since that we started this channel. Uh, since we started this podcast, so I'm I'm so pumped to be here with you guys, with you fine gentlemen, one of whom loves this movie, and the other one who also loves this movie. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. How, how'd you feel about it? Should I start with my rating? Yes. Sure. Sure. I'm interested. Um, so previously, uh, my bottom two movies in this series were uh, numbers four and five, which each had a score of two. This one beat those. Oh! It has good. a good old 3 out of 10. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's, it's not a great movie. I, I had a few criticisms of it, mostly just because it's it, it just doesn't feel Nightmare on Elm Street. And that just it just made me feel weird the entire time. It basically felt like Freddy was a joke. He was. <laughs> exactly. That's the joke. <laughs> that doesn't mean that it's a good film. 
and it just felt off. There was random 3D thrown into it. Um, 1991 3D, let's clarify. Yes, uh, still 3D. Uh, It gave us backstory that we mostly already had, so... I feel like a quarter of the movie was just repeat and it had really weird pacing and it uh, had characters that jumped into roles that didn't make sense because they had no idea what was going on, but just assumed knowledge from people that it took three quarters of previous movies to figure out. I'm sure there's even more. There were some some cool things with a, a little bit of like cinematography in there um, that I don't think they did much of in previous movies, so that's kind of cool. The kills were pretty lame. Other than other than one, the kills were pretty lame. I, I can respect your guys's. I can respect your guys's opinion, but I do not share the opinion. Boo! Here's the way I'm looking at it. You say it's not a great film. Do you watch the Looney Tunes and say this isn't great TV? Because it it's just entertainment. That's all this movie is. <laughs> and that's fine. I, I I can respect this. Will I watch this again? No. Absolutely. To my, tomorrow. <laughs> there, I will not watch this movie again. Am I glad that I saw it? Eh. <laughs> I guess. Just only because I'd seen the previous five movies. And now you can understand why I had that poster. Yes. Way. That is probably the only reason why I'm glad that I watched you it. You filled in a, like, a big mysterious chunk of my past now. Honestly, I was expecting a lot more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know how you could possibly get more out of this. It's one of the most batshit insane films ever made. And everything you described about why this isn't a good movie is why it's an amazing movie. It was, See, that's the thing. It wasn't even like batshit in, insane. It was just kooky no that's a great word to describe it it was kooky like batshit insane would be just going off the walls with like and just over the top with like the kills and i feel like it didn't at all it was just what am i watching (laughs) okay well the point of this podcast is we are trying to create a master list of rules to survive any and all horror movies including live action cartoons in this case uh we have a list of 49 rules so far you can check those out on our Twitter account at how the number two horror how to horror, and we're going to go through the plot of Freddy's Dead beat by beat, decision by decision, to see if we need to add any new rules to our list. So, spoiler alert for Freddy's Dead, even though they spoil the end of the movie in the title. Spoiler alert for the movie. Go watch it. It's one of my favorites, and maybe you'll learn to love it too. I'm going to be honest. This is one that even if you have a passing interest in Nightmare on Elm Street, but you haven't seen it, if you listen to this podcast before you watch it, you are doing yourself a disservice. You're going to be so confused, even more confused than Josh. Somehow. And yeah. So go watch this movie. It's 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 one of the all-time greats. You just you need to have the right mindset when you're watching it. If you watch the first Nightmare on Elm Street and think, okay, I want to watch another incredible horror film that's scary, that's got the incredible practical effects, you need to go watch another movie. If you want to be entertained and watch the equivalent of a cartoon, go watch Freddy's Dead. Yeah, this is a, a comedy starring Freddy Krueger, yeah. basically. It's With an episode of the Looney Tunes. An I've occasional seen. super dark moment. Every once yeah. in a while, those pop up. Yeah, like there's, I think there's two in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Out classic. of nowhere, it's like, whoa, man, <laughs> I was just watching ridiculous cartoon antics, and now we're doing this. Okay. Yeah, I'm not sure if I can uh, necessarily recommend this as a standalone movie, but if you're going to be listening to this podcast anyways, I have personally found that I much more enjoy this podcast if it's a movie that I have seen. So if you are going to be watching or if you're going to be listening to this anyways, 
I would recommend going to watch the movie first. And now it's on recording forever. <laughs> uh, we got him. We got him. <laughs> All right. Anything else, guys? Let's let's dive in. All right. Let's get into the plot of Freddy's Dead: The Final Nightmare. All right. So the movie begins with a really insightful quote from Nietzsche. And then the next quote it shows is, Welcome to prime time, bitch! Freddy Krueger. And that's how we kick things off. It sets the tone for the entire experience. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. Um, so we get like a, a, a military-grade map uh, showing us the United States and Springwood, Ohio. And it lets us know that every single kid, teenager, besides one, has been killed in Springwood. It also sets the timeline. The movie takes place 10 years from now. Which would, the movie came out in 91, so 2001, which makes zero sense. But it doesn't say 2001, it says 10 years from now, 10 years from the moment you are watching, Ryan. So this movie takes place in 2030. Oh my god. (laughs) Boy, fashion senses have uh, have regressed. So is technology. (laughs) And it also talks about how all the adults that are still alive are in a weird mass psychosis. What? (laughs) No setup for any of this in any other of the films, Springwood's a pretty normal town, all things considered, in the previous five. Like, I mean, got, other than all the child murders. It's got, like, full escape from New York, almost. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's insane. That's how we're starting. And our, our first character is a guy named uh, John. Even though we never learn his actual name, he's just called the John Doe this entire movie. I mean, to be fair, Freddy even calls him John at some point. Yeah, so maybe his name actually is John. Yeah. It very easily could be. So John is on a plane in the middle of a storm, and he's freaking out because he's, he's afraid of heights. And he's actually trying to escape Springwood. I don't think he knows he's dreaming. It's hard to say. Who knows when and if we're dreaming or not anymore. But he has established that he is trying to get out of Springwood and that he has had Freddy nightmares. So right now, John's in a horror movie. Rule number one, first rule surviving a horror movie is you got to know you're in one. And John knows he's in one. He is. Who knows how long he's been in one. He's been in one. He's been awake for like almost three weeks at this point. He hasn't slept. Like that's insane. That's not possible. <laughs> so John ends up getting sucked out of this airplane, falling through the floor. And so he's just fallen, and, you know, the classic thing happens where before you hit the ground, you wake up. So John's back in his room, and everything's back to normal. Except his his house that he's in is falling through the sky now. Like, uh, uh, Josh, you, you referenced another movie that you thought it was similar to. Ah, uh, yes, I said, oh, wow. He's in a Wizard of Oz movie now. Because the music they play during the scene is the music from the tornado say, during sounded, the Wizard of Oz. It if it's not the exact familiar. music, it is very intentionally ripping it off. Yes. Because here he comes, flying in on a broomstick, dressed like a witch. It's Freddy Krueger, my boy. I'll get you my pretty and your little soul, too. <laughs> That's how we're introducing Freddy in this movie. I fucking love it. If you remember back to Dream Child uh, and my prepared statement because I wasn't able to make the episode, I did say that Freddy has gone off the rails, but without fully committing to just being a caricature of himself. This movie fixes that. He, Freddy's all in on being a cartoon character, and I'm I'm here for it. Me too. It's just fantastic. So the house hits the ground, and John falls out his window, but he's fine. And then we get him just, like, kind of stumbling around his neighborhood a little bit before falling down a hill for, like, five minutes. Hey, he is in a dream, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it makes sense within the context of the movie, but our entire title keeps sequence on going on. is just him falling down a hill for, like, five minutes. I love it. Everything I say that sounds like a criticism is not. It's part <laughs> of the reason this movie is amazing. Sure. <laughs> it is also a confusing film. Don't get me wrong. It's a very confusing. Yeah, um... This comes into play later, but the dream logic just doesn't exist anymore. 
that nightmare used to have a firm set of logic for what's real what's a dream what can happen in the dreams how does that affect you in the real world all of that's out the window now nothing matters calvin ball yeah and i think that's one of my other criticisms that i didn't mention is that it just isn't consistent from any of the other films. oh no not at all <laughs> it exists in its own pocket dimension yes yeah, freddy's dead is its own universe I wonder if that's part of the reason why they changed it from A Nightmare on Elm Street to just being called Freddy's Dead. I would not be surprised. It's just so wildly This different. is actually just a standalone movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so John ends up on this road where he finds a bus ticket stand, and which is run by the executive producer of the movie, Bob Shea. Don't know why he's here, but okay. And then Freddy Krueger shows up in a bus and runs John over, but he doesn't get run over. He gets stuck on the front of the bus like a cartoon character. And then gets pushed through the dream dimension into the real world, leaving an outline of himself like a cartoon character. John just gets launched out of Springwood because the dream hypnosis, psychosis stuff ends right at the town border, conveniently. And John just gets launched out into the real world where it's daytime instead of nighttime. And and hits his head on a rock. And gets amnesia at this point. Yeah, he lands on his ankles in a way that, as someone who's broken an ankle, I know both of those ankles would be broken. And then he hits his head on a rock and is absolutely concussed. Oh, yeah. Uh, But gets amnesia, and that's how we start our movie. (laughs) This is the opening sequence. And I love it. (laughs) Yeah, initially I was was thinking that, like, him breaking through whatever dimensional wall this was was basically him going back 10 years in time which is why they said like oh 10 years from now no time travel nightmare i'm sure be fun can we also acknowledge that john was on like a proper airline commuter plane what airport does springwood have that he would have gotten on that without leaving town well if you watch the 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 uh, uh freddy's nightmares tv series which i haven't which i have two episodes left of that show gets wild they have so much springwood has so much they got like a university they have a mountain range where a plane goes down in the mountain range that's a great arc i mean i knew they had palm trees but geez <laughs> yeah the freddy's night uh, the, the show freddy's nightmares is not a great show but the, the last season gets pretty fun they they just introduced a ton of wild shit into that show they have a whole military base how big is this town exactly so it's okay criticism revoked (laughs) yeah watching freddy's nightmares kind of sets up freddy's dead a little bit because it kind of shows like how this whole town has gone insane under psychosis like it i don't think that was originally the intention but post freddy's dead you go back and watch the show it makes more sense so as someone who's seen the the majority of the show, do you think that Freddy's Dead is more a sequel to the show than it is a sequel to the franchise? It makes so much more sense through that lens. It makes so much more sense. Okay, so was he actually on a plane? I don't know. (laughs) No way of knowing. No way of knowing. I'm going to go ahead and say he wasn't. But if he was, that means Freddy just took down a whole plane. Yeah. Which, I wish they'd done more with that. That would have been awesome. Whatever. Here's the thing, too, though. Let's say he wasn't on a plane, but he thought he was, and he very clearly yells when he it becomes clear that Freddy's taking over that he was almost out, which means that in his mind he was still able to get on a plane like this in Springwood. Yeah. Whatever. (laughs) For something that I thought was supposed to be a pretty small town, this is insanity. Yeah. (laughs) So John wakes up with amnesia. He he checks his pockets, and the main thing he has is he's an article talking about a missing Kruger woman um, from Springwood. Foreshadowing. Spooky. So we cut to the next town over where there's a youth shelter. Um, And we get our teenage characters. First, we meet a guy named Spencer. He's played by Brecken Meyer, 
who's in a, some TV shows like Franklin and Bash. He's in the movie Clueless. He's in a bunch of stuff. I was say, I recognize the name. Yeah, he's uh, he's in a, a few shows, a few movies. He sh- pops up in time and stuff from time to time. He's great in Clueless. Never saw it. You should You're see you, you would like Clueless. And Spencer's this super rich kid who's got just a shithole of a dad who apparently had, used to date rape co-eds in college. And the dad basically wants Spencer to be just like him. And Spencer's like, no, fuck you. You're the worst. I'm going to burn down your garage. So Spencer's been living at this youth shelter, and he's supposed to be coming home in a week. But doesn't want to at all. And he's just kind of like this stoner goofball type, I guess. He spends a lot of the movie high. And we also meet Maggie, who's kind of in charge of the kids, I guess. It's a little unclear. I think she has a similar role to what Nancy had in Nightmare 3, where sure. she's just kind of like a, a therapist and caretaker. Not necessarily in charge, but responsible for. Yeah, like their manager. Or she's yeah. got supervisors and stuff, too. Yeah. It seems like Maggie likes the kids. The kids seem to like Maggie for the most part. Yeah, no, Maggie's, a, from what it seems, decent at her job. We never see her in therapy, but she very clearly cares about all these kids. Yes. And Maggie's boss comes in, and he's like, hey, I just found a pipe bomb in Spencer's room. And then he <laughs> says he's going to go put it downstairs with all the others. Yeah, there's they found a ton of just uh, improvised weapons. Uh, what is this, like a prison? Call the police! Why are you just hiding this pipe bomb? And, and they do mention that, yeah, the police are supposed to come pick it up, but the police are apparently too busy to come pick up all these weapons. So they put it in the basement with all the other weapons. I'm sorry, the police are too busy to come take a weapon away and apprehend a domestic terrorist. A pipe bomb. So it's just like, yeah, it's just teaching the kids some survival skills. <laughs> Hey, they have traffic stops they have to be at. <laughs> Leave them alone. And then we also meet Tracy, who uh, she, she's she got some post-traumatic stress disorder. She's been traumatized hardcore because her dad is a uh, rapist. Uh, we're we're going to find that out. At yeah, the end. that's one of the dark parts of this movie. It just takes a very harsh turn. Yeah. And it's kind of implied from the very first words out of her are don't touch me. So it's very much implied and foreshadowed. And then it just takes a hard turn into showing her dad attempting to molest her. Yeah. Which, by the way, it's astonishing to me that Freddy is the second creepiest pedophile in the franchise. Yeah. Tracy's dad is the worst. He's, ugh. But Tracy, she, uh, some of the other kids were hitting on her, so she, like, wrecked their shit. And is getting chased around by a security guard. But Tracy, she, she likes to, uh beat a punching bag. She's, like, a kickboxer type. Yeah, she, she she's channeling her her trauma and anger into a semi-productive state. She's learning how to defend herself, taking out in the right places most of the time. And she's also getting, um, like, like meditative training. Yeah, so there's another uh, therapist at this care facility uh, who's just called Doc, and he specializes in dream therapy, meditation, and that's really working for her. And Doc is played by the great Yafit Koto, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, who was in the original Alien as Parker, and he's also a Bond villain. He is the villain of Live and Let Die. Oh, uh, so okay. he's a, he's a, he's an actor. He was also, I think, on that show. It was Homicide Life on the Street. I think that was his show. I have no idea. Uh, I think that's right. Uh, it's one of those big cop shows. So yeah, this is he's, he's a pretty big name at the time. So kind of surprising that he's in this. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Basically, this movie's only actor. <laughs> Uh, hey, Johnny Depp's in this movie. <laughs> okay, yes, you're right. Yeah, he's the, like kind of the main therapist, and he's been primarily working with Tracy and helping her with like meditation and like controlling her rage a little bit. Yeah, uh, really good dude. 
and he's got a, a he just got a brand new poster of Dream Demons. Spooky. Which apparently would search everyone's dreams to find the most evil person on the planet and give them dream powers. I wonder if that's going to come into play later. Never. When Tracy's in the workout room, she's kind of being trained by her buddy Carlos. Carlos is deaf, and we're going to find out that his mom abused him and shoved a giant Q-tip in his ears and made him deaf. That sucks. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah. I love Carlos. Carlos is one of my, uh, like, low-key favorite teenagers in this series. And it's, he doesn't do anything that special. I just really like the guy. I can't tell you why, really. He's, he's a charismatic actor. He makes you like the character, despite the character not really doing anything to be likable. Yeah. He doesn't mean he's unlikable. He just is there. He's there. Spencer, Carlos, and Tracy, they have a plan. that They've uh, they robbed uh, one of the other employees, and they're going to hide in the back of a van, get driven out of town, and make their way to California and run away from all this. That's their plan. It's definitely going to work. Oh, yeah, for sure. So John ends up getting picked up by some cops and brought to the youth shelter where Maggie kind of evaluates him. He's got amnesia. He's, he says, I've been awake for three days. And she's like, well, actually, you've been awake for three weeks, it looks like. And John knows if he falls asleep, he dies. It's all you really need to know. Don't fall asleep, John. Hey, he's, uh, he's following the rules. He knows he's in a horror movie and he's taking those proactive steps. Yep. And it sucks because he doesn't really know anything else. What can you do to solve a problem that you can't remember how it started? Sucks, dude. But yeah, Maggie sees the article and she recognizes the town as Springwood because of weird dreams she has. Yeah, so she's having her own reoccurring dreams that feature the Springwood water tower, which she recognizes from the newspaper clipping. And so she knows there's a connection there. There's some weird connection between Maggie and John and Springwood. And so John is singing like a thousand bottles of beer on a wall to sing uh, to stay awake, but he's in a room full of other kids, and they're just like so mad at him. They're like throwing stuff at him. Kind of a pointless scene, but it made me laugh. Yeah, it's just like oh, here's what John's doing to stay awake. But this, I, as we talked about after the movie ended, this is the part of the movie that drags the most. So I almost would have been okay if they would have cut it just to get to the other stuff. Every frame of this movie is perfect. You can't cut a single <laughs> bit of it. <laughs> and honestly, this I feel like this would have like made me fall asleep. Like he's just sitting in bed, and it's like it's like the same thing as like counting sheep. If you do like just something that's like in order like this, it should just kind of like calm you down enough to make you just uh, be relaxed enough to fall asleep. He did have a mug, to be fair, that was oh, so very possibly coffee. full of coffee. Yeah, yeah probably coffee. Uh, maybe some Coke. <laughs> the the soda. I'm talking about the drink. <laughs> <laughs> but I will take cocaine. <laughs> I'll do it. I was waiting for him to say that. <laughs> hey, the choice is get killed by Freddy Krueger or do cocaine. I'm going to do cocaine. Yeah, fair. <laughs> so Maggie has a weird dream about being a kid in Springwood, and then her mom screams, but that will, that'll, we'll come back to that later. Yeah, it's it's first person. John ends up falling asleep, and he wakes up to find blood dripping on him. You're, you're in a, a nightmare, dude. And he's following, like, a, a, a kid around the Kruger house and in the upstairs room, which he somehow walks upstairs, but is walking on th- nothing in, in the real world. Again, dream logic. It doesn't exist here. Yeah, this is where I realized that this movie was going to be nothing like any of the others. <laughs> just it's like, oh, okay, we're just going to completely ignore everything that happened to the other movies. Like, just new stuff going on. Okay. <laughs> and John ends up finding himself in a straitjacket in one of the rooms, and it's his memory. Um, but he can't do anything to free his memory. Despite its pleas to do so. And John wakes up, and he accidentally knocks the security guard out a window. <laughs> And when this happened, I thought that that security guard was dead. Yeah. But luckily, they were on the first floor somehow, even though John walked upstairs, invisible stairs. Makes no sense. 
Like, oh, yeah. The security guard's also just kind of annoyed that this happened. <laughs> and I don't think we ever see the security guard nope. again. Nope. Doesn't matter. And we also don't see John's memory ever again. Nope. I don't think we see another security guard in this entire institution mm-hmm. again. This nope. scene basically means nothing. Pretty much nothing. Yeah. Okay, cool. Another scene that could have been cut to move the movie along. <laughs> it's perfection. Maggie kind of realizes this connection between her and John, and she decides to take him to Springwood, which for John is the right move, even though he's hesitant about doing it, because John is going to die. He's going to fall asleep and die eventually. You got to go face your problem. You got to go fight the horror movie and try and escape from this bullshit. Yeah. So John should go back to Springwood. I mean, unless he's been safe this entire time and doesn't know it. But if he's still having weird dreams and he doesn't really know what it is, and he's convinced if he falls asleep, he dies, I don't hate the movie to go back to Springwood. So here's my question. Maggie has made the connection already. She's had a conversation with Doc, who is the dream specialist, so he points out that these dreams are connected and his dreams are no good. She knows this, and she chooses to go to Springwood with him. Should Maggie know she's in a horror movie right now? She knows she's in a movie. Okay. Don't know what type of movie it is yet. All she knows is she's got a weird connection with this kid who has got no memories. That could be a drama. Ah, fair enough. In an investigative comedy, maybe. Yeah, yeah, like a buddy cop movie, kind of. <laughs> it could be one of those. It could be an Oscar drama. Okay, okay. <laughs> so far, uh, all signs point to Oscar-worthy drama. So they're going to take the van and drive into Springwood. And on the way, John falls asleep. And he sees the little girl in, in the middle of the road, creepy girl in the road. And it's like, stop, go back. He might be in a horror movie. <laughs> Still. And John grabs the wheel and tries to miss the kid, but he grabs the wor- the wheel in the real world and like just crashes their car, spins out their van. And guess who's in the back seat? It's Carlos, Spencer, and Tracy. Surprise! Uh, you're wondering how they're going to be tied into this. <laughs> and, and they're, they're, now they're in a horror movie and it's not even their fault. Sucks to be them. Which they don't know yet. Yeah, they don't know it yet. They're about to. <laughs> oh yeah. They're in a kidnapping movie. <laughs> <laughs> so they drive into town and there's a Springwood Town Fair happening, which is the most pathetic thing I've ever seen in my life. It's so sad. It's yeah. the saddest fair. <laughs> Maggie's just like, alright, you bratty kids, you call the shelter, tell them where you are, then you take this van and drive back into town without any adult supervision. <laughs> what a great plan! <laughs> So how do Maggie and John propose they'll be returning to the, the the shelter? And what's to stop them from just taking the van and just driving Going to up? California. Like, that was their goal in the first place. Congrats. <laughs> Rule number three. Maggie, do your damn job. <laughs> just take him back. You can come to Springwood the next day. It'll be fine. <sighs> Maggie, this is so irresponsible. Well, and even the second part of that rule is do your damn job. But don't die in the process. Yep. By doing her damn job here, maybe she prevents herself from, well, she never, like, actually dies. Yep. But, like, who knows? You could be escaping some sort of peril here. And that becomes even more apparent as they're, like, walking around this fair. Because all of these people, all the adults that are here, there's no kids. Absolutely no kids. All the adults at the fair are insane. Yeah, th- at this point, it goes from pathetic to really creepy. Yeah, they mention, like... Oh, did we walk into Twin Peaks or something like that? And Twin Peaks isn't even as creepy as this. Well, it's a really kid-friendly fair, too. Like, yeah, it has, like, carnival games It's and very clearly cars, meant for families to take clowns. the kids. Yeah. And Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold show up. Uh, Roseanne clearly on some Ambien. And they're, like, harassing Spencer, Tracy, and Carlos. They're like, we're going to take your... Uh, Roseanne is. She's like, I want to take you home, Dust. I promise nothing bad will happen this time. 
And Tom comes in. And he's like, hey, you got to stay away from the kids. They bring Freddy around or they bring him. Yeah, they <laughs> yeah, don't got, say Freddy. <laughs> got to stay vague. And they're just like, what the fuck is happening? So, guys, he, he, maybe not all the way, but you might be in a horror movie. Be a little bit on edge, at least. It might be just some crazy woman, but you also might be in a horror movie. If you see Roseanne Barr, you might be in a horror movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the phone doesn't work. And the kid's getting harassed. And they're just like, can we get out of here, please? This is the worst hell. Can't blame them. Can't blame them. Rule number 11. Get out. Get out! And honestly, this first half of the movie is essentially just one big get out. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. In their defense, they do try. They do try. They do try. Uh, So Tracy, Spencer, and Carlos, they take the van, and they're driving through town, but they can't get out of town. Every road they take just leads back to the town center. And by the way, Springwood has become like a wasteland almost. It used to be just typical suburbia, but all the plants are dead. It's kind of like the desert nightmare on Street 2 now. A lot happens in 10 years. But yeah, they can't get out of town. It's just a big maze. And they're kind of taking this in stride almost. Like, they're like, man, we just be too fried to figure out a way out of town. What? Yeah, they. I think at one point Spencer just blames that Tracy doesn't know how to drive. Like, that's all it is. Okay. What? <laughs> I mean, the whole fried thing would make sense if they were all smoking, but it was only Spencer that yeah, was smoking. Spencer's okay, smoking. but look at that van. It does not have good ventilation. <laughs> if he's high, they're high. Yeah. <laughs> but they can knock it out of this town, and it's so fucking funny. Meanwhile, Maggie and John, they're going to head for the school because bells rang there, and maybe there's a clue at the school. Okay, yeah, when, uh, when the kids are being harassed in the fair, the bells at the schoolhouse ring and all the adults are freaking out like it's a sign that Freddy's coming and then it just never pays off. Never pays off at all. Whatever, man. (laughs) And the reason for going to the school was, oh, someone had to ring the bell so maybe we can talk to someone there. That reasoning doesn't make sense. I'm just saying what their reasoning (laughs) was. Oh, I know, but it doesn't make sense. (laughs) I mean, if they're trying to get to the bottom of something and all these psychos are at the fair. (laughs) Ryan, we're past logic. (laughs) We're far past it. So Tracy asks for the map at this point, and the map says they're fucked. Yeah, Carlos has fallen asleep, and the map just continuously unfolds until it just completely covers the back of the van, and then he finally opens it up to the last page, and it just says, you're fucked. And then Carlos wakes up, and Tracy asks for the map, and he's like, yeah, well, the map says we're fucked. <laughs> might be the best line of the movie. God, I wish There's we no still used maps. Because <laughs> every time, if we were ever driving together, I would just refer to that. <laughs> Where are we supposed to... When's the next turn? The map says we're fucked. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our next road trip we take, we're getting a map just for this. this Google map bit. says we're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> guys, rule number one. You are in a horror movie. It's supernatural, too. You guys are fucked. <laughs> I mean, maybe he still thinks that that's his dream. Uh, and besides the map, I mean, the fact that they can't get out of town. Yeah, true. That is, that is a, a clear sign. Yeah, no, being stuck in a loop trying to get out of town and then him having that dream, I'd assume I'm in a supernatural horror movie. Oh, yeah. And so Spencer tries driving now, and even he can't get out of town. It's, it's, it's so funny. So John and Maggie, they get to the school and find a crazy teacher who's lecturing to an empty classroom. And he's like, in 1493, Freddy sailed across the sea. <laughs> Another amazing line. Rule number one, Maggie, you are in a horror movie. John already was. Maggie, you're in one now. There's every person in, t- in this town is crazy. What is the Silent Hill? Yeah, and you might not be in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie for all you know. You could just be in a, this is a psychotic town that you might just get stabbed in. 
and that's just as bad. Yeah, yeah, no, this could easily just be a reverse Children of the Corn situation where they killed all their kids. <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, that's fun. I like that. <laughs> nah, that's a good one. That does um, not sound fun. <laughs> um, so they, they find a scrapbook in the school here, and Maggie aligns the newspaper clipping with it. Yeah, it's a scrapbook of all these dead and missing kids. Yeah. And this is where John got that article from. So John has been here. Great. scooby dooby doo Got a clue. And then the teacher starts talking about how in, 19, in 1494, they took his kid. Or no, he said it was 1966. Yeah, it was. I'm mixing up with yeah. the, the song later. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so... This part makes zero sense. Okay, so 1966, Freddy's kid was taken. Therefore, Freddy went and took all the other kids by killing them. Great. Sure. John assumes that he is the kid. But we've got to remember, this movie takes place in 2001 at the earliest. He would have to be how old? 35? He looks old for a teenager. He does not look 35. <laughs> John is 18 at most. So John assumes he's the kid, which makes no sense, and Maggie doesn't even point that out. It's like, you're 18. You're not 35. Yeah, for for John, I can at least point to the fact that he's brain damaged right now. Sure. Maggie should be pointing out, like, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. Maybe we should talk to the person who is 35 here. That is Maggie. <laughs> oh, did you just spoil the movie? <laughs> <laughs> I did say spoiler alert. <laughs> Uh, or you but, or you just talk to the teacher more and just get more answers from him. Like, he's not trying to hurt you or anything, and this is Freddy. I think he says Freddy 101. Yeah. Like, get all the information that you can from him. They did get more information. They said that the kid got taken to the orphanage. So that's where they're going next. They're not going to keep learning from this fount of knowledge. <laughs> Rule number 21, learn from past events. You got more knowledge here to get, though you might have to go through a couple of nursery rhymes to get it. Get that information. Why you, not? You essentially have pre-Google here. Yeah. <laughs> Type in a question and he will answer. <laughs> Just has to be friendly related. <laughs> so Spencer, they can't get out of town, so they, they parked the car on Elm Street. And they're just like, all right, here's an empty house that's for sale, and some of the windows are boarded up. Let's just go stay there for the night. And I used to kind of criticize them for this, but I forgot the house was for sale. And they're kind of a bunch of hooligans who probably don't give a crap about trespassing. Uh, still don't be a menace. Still don't be a menace. Yeah, this is uh, trespassing, rule number four. But, like, it kind of makes sense for their characters, where I don't think they'd be faced by this. But at the same time, just walk out of town at this point. Just keep walking. And even if it's true to the characters, uh, that I mean, they're still breaking the rule. Yes. So Also, if you're going to trespass, this is probably the, I mean, you, you don't think enough from the outside, but a house that's for sale, that's probably going to be one of the safer places that you can trespass. Yeah. Because you're not going to have anyone on the inside with a shotgun or something hopefully. waiting for you. Hopefully. Right. And Tracy does point out that it's an empty neighborhood. So all signs point to we can crash here tonight with little to no repercussions. But they're still in a horror movie, and they should be trying to get out of this fucking town. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when the house transforms into the Elm Street house. Yeah, as soon as they go in, the house is revealed to actually be the Elm Street house via magic bullshit. Yep, I guess we can just transform things now. Yep. Immediately, Carlos, he's super tired, and he goes upstairs to go to sleep. Don't go to sleep. Not the time for sleep. Okay, but that's, but, why, the, but but that's he... why they're crashing there. Yeah. That's true. Does do They don't know they're in a nightmare movie yet. They don't know. They just know they're in a horror movie. They don't know that sleeping is dangerous. Yep. Although he, they were told by John something yeah. about not going to sleep because they referred to that right after he goes to bed. Yeah, but John's also a crazy person sure. who hasn't slept for three weeks. So I, I don't blame them for ignoring John. So Carlos goes upstairs to go to bed. And then all of a sudden he wakes back up again because he can hear Tracy shouting for him. And Carlos wanders down the hallway, and all of a sudden he's back in his old apartment building that he grew up in. 
And there's his mom with the giant Q-tip wanting to jam his eardrums out. But then she turns into Freddy, and he does it and just jams it through Carlos's head and then cuts off his ear. And now Carlos can't hear again. Oh, and takes his hearing aid. Carlos, you're in a horror movie. <laughs> you're in a Nightmare on Elm Street movie. <laughs> Carlos is about to get one of the most brutal deaths in the entire series. The most drawn-out brutal death. Yeah, this is torture. Yeah, this is long. It's also my favorite, one of my favorite death scenes in the series. This is up. <laughs> insane. I, it's so funny, though. I love all of this. Uh, poor Carlos. So Carlos is sent to, like, just wander around without hearing for a bit. Yeah, and he, they throw, he gets tossed into the boiler room. Yep, and he makes his way into that boiler room. He sees Freddy at the top. He screams to give him his hearing back. And Freddy obliges. He drops the hearing aid. Oh, uh, uh, but before that, before that, we get a sequence of Freddy following him around yeah. because he can't okay, hear. Okay, you're right. <laughs> so Freddy's just <laughs> like hopping around in the background. Rule number two, Carlos, constant vigilance. Maybe look behind you once in a while. If you know you're down one of your senses, utilize the rest to their fullest extent. Well, and he <laughs> even says that in the real world when, uh, I can't remember the exact context, but he's like, oh, I need the, to make he the was best asked, out of all the senses I have. He yeah. was asked if he wanted to like uh, hit the guy's Is that what it was? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And Carlos refuses. So he gives him the hearing aid back, and then it like grows limbs and like attaches. Itself yeah, they're like to his tendrils. Head. It just it becomes a part of him and gives him super hearing. Yeah, so it's very sensitive. Like the the tiniest drop of water is like brutal to hear. Yeah, it sounds like someone's stomping in the boiler room. So he turns that off, and he he thinks he's okay. And then Freddy pulls a pin out from his finger and drops it. And it sounds uh, like a bomb. Yeah, it sounds like a missile uh, dropping, and he catches it, but then Freddy drops a handful of pins. Uh, and Carlos just has to, like, cover his head and, and uh, hope and pray. Is he up? Uh, Carlos is fucked. Like, the map told him he was fucked, and he's fucked. Uh, Maps don't lie. <laughs> so finally, Freddy comes down and has a blackboard. And draws it out for a long time. It's just scratched his knives across the blackboard. Like a maniac, and eventually it becomes too much, and Carlos's head fucking explodes! And the hearing aid falls into Freddy's hand, and we get the second best line of the movie. Nice hearing from you, Carlos! Ooh, it's so good! Uh, uh, it's one of my favorite sequences in the series. It is. Um, I, I will admit, I am surprised it took six movies to do a nails-on-a-chalkboard kill with Freddy Krueger. Uh, people overlook this movie, man. This is a great sequence. This was this was the best kill of the movie. It was also the only good kill of the movie. There's one more good kill in this <laughs> There movie. is one more good kill in this movie. <laughs> so Carlos is dead, and for him, he didn't really realize he was in a horror movie. He needed to just focus on getting out of this fucking town. I don't think he would have been able to. He might have been completely fucked. Who knows? I mean, maybe they could have found a way out. I, who knows? But I guess, uh, you know, don't trespass. Don't fall asleep in a house that isn't yours and get out. Oh, Carlos. that's the other thing, too, I mentioned during the movie. Why would you go to sleep in this very obviously haunted house? <laughs> <laughs> he might be in a haunted house movie. You don't want to fall asleep in a haunted house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> fucking love it so much. So Tracy discovers Carlos is missing. And she leaves the house for some reason to go find... I think to go try to find the other two. Maggie and John. It's never brought up again. Yeah. This never pays off. I mean, she finds them, but we don't really know why Why she went to find... Why don't you finish searching the house? I, I don't know. It was weird. But Spencer just gets high and falls asleep. So, you know, Carlos, if you're that tired and you just fall asleep, that's one thing. But to be in a scary movie situation and smoke weed and then fall asleep... First of all, rule two, constant vigilance. But uh, for Spencer, rule number 32, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. Oh, yeah. This is the worst move of the movie, probably. Yeah. Mm, I can't yeah. think of a worse one. 
Yeah, I can't yeah. think of anything worse. Yeah, just because this is basically the same thing as what Carlos was doing, except adding weed on top of it. Yeah, so they both go to bed. <laughs> he's just dulling his senses further while he falls asleep, giving him less of a chance at reaction. Yep. And this is the, the Randy Meeks of it all. Don't drink or do drugs. You can do those things, but if you're actually in a horror movie and you know it, you just shouldn't do it just because it dulls your senses. Yep. Spencer, you're a dumbass. Randy Meeks should be ashamed. Shame. Not a front runner for the Randy Meeks Merit Badge. No, no. Now I want to hear a podcast of Randy Meeks in character describing this movie and how bad it is. Because you know Randy would hate this movie. Uh, well, then Randy's wrong. <laughs> Sorry to uh, talk smack to my, my, my hero, but uh, no. John and Maggie, they go to the orphanage. And they find a really creepy woman who runs the orphanage who's talking to invisible children. She claims she recognizes both John and... Maggie and they're like oh she's just crazy but I think she actually does recognize both of them. yeah Maggie thinks she's just okay this is just a crazy woman where John's like this is proof I am the Kruger child more proof that Maggie's the Kruger child yeah, yeah. and and to be fair the, the reason why she's just doesn't believe this is because she also says that she sees like 10 other kids yes yeah, it's fair it's absolutely fair to not buy anything this woman which you can see she was Maggie was freaked out for a second because mm-hmm. she pointed straight towards both John and herself and then proceed to point out a couple others. So there's seven other invisible children in the room. <laughs> yeah. So Tracy ends up finding Maggie and John's like, hey, Carlos is missing and Spencer's a stoner. <laughs> no help here. One of those was breaking news. <laughs> the stoner? Yeah. Spencer does drugs. What? So Spencer sees Johnny Depp on television. Yes. And I don't know if this is actually Johnny Depp or if it's the soul of Glenn from the first movie trapped in a TV. You know, I like to think that it's the soul of Glenn because before this, we see Carlos and a bunch of other souls inside the TV trying yep. to call out to Spencer. So I like to think that this is Glenn. Glenn's punishment for being killed by Freddy is to be in terrible drug PSAs yeah, for they, the rest of eternity. They recreate the this is your brain on drugs uh, PSA with Johnny Depp and have Freddy just whack him in the face with the cast iron skillet. It's so good. Good. Hey, what Spence, a- let's trip out. <laughs> I feel like if it is actually Glenn, maybe Glenn has like joined Freddy's side Ooh. because everyone else is freaking out, whereas Glenn's just kind of like acting in yep. it. <laughs> I just like to think it that yeah. way. And so Freddy turns the TV into a trippy LSD music video and just drags Spencer into it. Sure. Dream logic. You know, if there was any. Nightmare on Elm Street movie to watch while high, this would probably be the one. Probably. <laughs> I've watched it drunk, and it's just as good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so the others get back, and now Carlos and Spencer are both missing. So what do they do? Let's split up, gang. Rule number 19. Don't split up, gang. Let's split up and look for clues. They split up and search the house. Also, another rule. Rule 14 is don't go looking for missing people. Yeah, I get it's Maggie's job. But honestly, and you're already down one. Like, I mean, yeah, it sucks to lose Carlos, but is anybody going to miss Spencer? <laughs> Odds are you're not getting them back. Yeah, it's fine. Just if you can sacrifice two to save another two, maybe do that. <laughs> rule number 35, no one to cut ties. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> Follow the rules. <laughs> so Spencer's now trapped in a video game where he's got to fight a video game version of his dad who is beating him with a tennis racket and telling him, be like me, be like me. You're bearing the lead here, friend. The dad is controlled by Freddy yep. using an Atari-style controller. Yep. 
And so Freddy's just chilling in his boiler room playing video games. <laughs> now I'm playing with power. <laughs> meanwhile, Spencer's body's just flying around the house, kind of mimicking the movements he's doing in a video game. He's, he's bouncing around like a cartoon kangaroo. Yeah, um, at, at one point he's going through a bunch of the hallways, and it was kind of reminiscent of Scooby-Doo, honestly. Yeah, yeah, very Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Spencer's the best cartoon kangaroo I've seen since Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> He doesn't compare. (laughs) Yeah, Spencer's way better. So John, his plan is to go into the dream to rescue Spencer. Okay, how does he know that this will work? Don't know. This is another point in the movie where I got very annoyed because it's just jumping to, oh, we know everything about dream world and dream rules where it took basically an entire movie before to learn this. More importantly, why does John go in this dream? He just met Spencer. True, but you're questioning why he went back to this town in the first place, so maybe he thinks that that's just an extension of it to get to the bottom of this. I think he's trying to confront Freddy, because sure. at this point he thinks he's Freddy's son, and that he it's like his destiny to stop him. He's got main character syndrome bad right now. Yeah, yeah. Fuck d- destiny. <laughs> John <laughs> thinks he's the main character of this movie, and he's not. Classic. Which is one thing I really like about this movie. I, I like I like everything about this movie, but that's one thing I really like. It's, it's, it's a nice twist, and it's one of the things that I don't... Uh, like, purely from an entertainment standpoint. Sure. So John finds himself in the boiler room after he gets Tracy to fucking hit him with a pipe or something to knock him out. Uh, she, it, it, when she's like, wait, I, th- I have a better way to do this, he slaps her. And she's like, well, fuck you. It's- <laughs> and then she just meditates her way in anyway. Yeah, she's like, yeah. There's because an she apparently knows the rules, too. She just meditates her way into the dream, but they're here now. And so they try and fight Freddy by unplugging his controller. But he has a power glove. Yeah, they unplug it, and it's the most anticlimactic showdown with Freddy I've ever seen. Uh, Tracy just runs into his little office in the boiler room and just yanks the controller out of his hands like he's nothing. And Freddy doesn't give chase, he just flicks his knife glove and it turns into a Nintendo-style power glove. He taunts him, slams the door locked in their face, and now he's got total reign over Spencer. Yeah, and he just drops Spencer uh, in the video game off a cliff, and in the real world he falls down the stairs and into the classic butthole sphincter dream yeah because maggie approaches the steps to try and catch him but then the floor gives out and it becomes the butthole so spencer dies by falling down the butthole of nightmares (laughs) no (laughs) and then then freddy eats his soul which is one of the only like two things that are actually consistent in this movie with the rest of them so for spencer it's kind of the same rules as carlos but he got high which makes it all worse yep play stupid games win stupid prizes don't do drugs, kids. You, you smoke marijuana and you fall down the butthole of nightmares. <laughs> so they should show this in a, a dare safety video. <laughs> this is your butthole. This is your butthole on drugs. <laughs> I know it's not his. But it's still funny. <laughs> so Maggie tries to fight Freddy, but uh, she's going to lose. And Freddy's about to kill her, but Tracy man- or Maggie manages to wake Tracy up before Freddy can kill her. But they can't get John awake because he's been asleep or been awake for three weeks and he's out. Yeah, so he got knocked out and now he's just out cold. He's trapped in the dream world. Yeah, you know what? And that would be another thing because he got knocked the fuck out. But John, you might have played yourself here. Uh, play stupid games and win stupid prizes. But he, do- he did tell Tracy specifically, like, oh, he won't hurt me. I'm family. He needs me alive for some reason. And that is... Not inaccurate. He uh, did need John alive. <laughs> yeah, but it's also uh, a break of rule number... 33, never assume you're safe. Oh, nice. John is assuming he's safe. 
because he's not Freddy's kid. So Tracy and Maggie drag John out to the van and they're trying to get the fuck out now. They're going to drive out of town. And John wakes up in his room. It just immediately launches him into space. Like just for a second where Nightmare on Elm Street in space. (laughs) And then John wakes up back in his room again. He's like, you know what? I'm just not going to leave my bed. The bed starts on fire. (laughs) God damn it. He is just annoyed. He's not afraid or anything. He's just bothered right now. So John jumps out his window because the room is on fire. I mean, you know. And now he's suspended in midair over the city again and falling down. And we have the most cartoon scene of the movie where Freddy brings out a bed of nails for him to land on, a la Wile E. Coyote. <laughs> but before that, you know, he, he's got, all of a sudden got a parachute on him. Oh, yeah. As you do. He pulls the parachute. He's fine. But when he does this, it's hilarious. In the real world, he's in the van. When he pulls the parachute, he just body just gets yeeted right out of the van by magic bullshit. <laughs> okay. So it would have been better to not pull the parachute? <laughs> I think, but then he would have died. I, think, I think he was screwed either way here. <laughs> the map says John's fucked. <laughs> uh, so Freddy is like floating next to John and he's like, oh, you think you're my kid? <laughs> I had a daughter, you dumb sack of shit. <laughs> Cuts the parachute off him. John falls to his death. You're grounded. <laughs> Cuts the straps of the parachute, teleports to the ground, pushes the nail bed of, or the bed of uh, nails out. <laughs> Full Looney Tunes. It really was just straight Looney Tunes. I, style. I have seen Wiley Coyote do that exact trap trying to get the Roadrunner. He even like looked into the camera. I think yeah. and just yeah, was he, like, "Woo!" Yeah, he, he like was out of breath when he was finished doing it. And he's like, "Oh boy!" <laughs> and John falls straight onto the bed of spikes and rip, rip. See, that was a good death too. That was fun. The sequence was good. It was a lame death. No, like it was just falling onto spikes. Like that happened in. What Friday the Thirteenth Five? Like yeah, that is nothing new. It wasn't. It wasn't like in the past when you've had like someone being injected with fuel into their veins. Like that. That's creative. This this stuff is. He fell out of the sky and landed on a bed of spikes. Before John dies, he tells uh, Maggie that it wasn't a boy. It was it was a girl. And then Tracy. And then oh yeah, John's body just vanishes. Yeah. Also, what what a. I hated this because he's just like, he took so long to just mutter the words, it's not a boy. He didn't even say that's a girl. He just yeah. said, it's not a boy. When he could have said, it's not me, it's you or something. Yeah. Like, well, I guess he didn't know it was come Maggie. Because no, the true. setup is like, is it Maggie or Tracy? That's kind of what we're supposed to think. Like, oh, okay. Even though the movie doesn't do a great job of setting it up that it could be one of these two at all. Because it's so obviously that, Maggie. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know. <laughs> So Tracy's like, let's get the fuck out of here. And they drive straight out of Dream World. And the whole thing shatters like glass as they do it. Um, And I think that's because Freddy, he, because Maggie is his daughter, he can somehow latch onto her and be taken out of the Dream World. And that destroys the hypnosis effect. That's kind of of what was implied, right? As he went into travel and time. Yeah. I don't really know what's going on, but I have no idea. (laughs) So let's talk about John. Yes. Let's talk about John. Really? I think in the end, John assumed he was safe. He thought he was the protagonist of the movie, and he wasn't. So there goes that plot uh, plot armor. So he assumed he was safe when, you know, you're dealing with a serial killer. Even if you are a family, that doesn't mean you're safe. Plenty of serial killers have murdered their own family. I think more often than not, they murder their own family. Number two, he got Tracy to knock him out. Maybe he would have been able to wake up in time if he wasn't knocked the fuck out. <laughs> Play stupid games, win stupid prizes. I would like to pitch a new rule to you, Ryan. Ooh, let's hear it. Don't assume you're the main character. That is a very great rule. Because that's 
that's John's biggest failure here. He gets this little bit of plot info, and he thinks, I am the child. I am the main character. It is my destiny to beat Freddy. I know there's already the rule for fuck destiny, but everything past the orphan edge, and honestly, a lot of stuff past past the school even, that John does is because he thinks he's the main character. And if he would have just focused more on survival than thinking that it, he can stop this, he might have lived. Probably not, but he might have. Would this go under uh, never assume you're safe? Because it's kind of that same mentality, I think. It's similar. But I, think, I, guess... I think it's like a step further of a couple. Like, it's a step further than fuck destiny, yeah. never assume you're safe, and even like put your ego aside a yeah. little bit. Yeah, it's kind of a mix of all of those things. Um, but it's still not those. Yeah. Uh, Josh, what do you think? You want to add a uh, rule fifty? Is don't assume you're the main character. I like it. Okay. Yeah. It, it seems like a good rule fifty. Yeah. yeah. I was trying to. I was trying to figure out if it's like if the the it's the right wording of it. If it's like never assume you're the main character or uh, just you're not the main character. I, yeah, I don't know. Something along those lines. You might be the main character. That's the thing. You it's could true. Be. You can't assume that if you're the supporting character. You're probably fucked. Well, yeah. And to add on to that, I did see a tweet a few days ago that was like all all villains in the main in the movie think they're the main character and they're the hero. So if you think you're the main character, you're not. And and that was the other like wording that I was thinking about is should it better be like don't assume that you're the protagonist instead of right instead of not. Okay. So yeah. maybe protagonist be yeah, better. Yeah, that's fair. Don't I sw- assume you're the protagonist. Yeah. Yeah, I like that better. And I, I pitched it because I, I knew it was similar to a few rules, but I, I was kind of thinking it was different enough to warrant being a rule. Yeah. It's when it doesn't feel necessarily quite right putting it with the other rules. Sure. Yeah, you, we got to remember there's 7 billion of us on this planet, and if you do end up in the horror movie situation, yeah, you could be the main character. Probably if you have some weird backstory tied to the town or the person, there's a good chance you're the main character, but you might not be. And that was the case with John. Because he did have the weird backstory tie, but there was someone with a bigger backstory tie. Yes. You could just be the first death. Yeah, Sorry. You, <laughs> you could just be the first death. You, you might be in a sequel situation. If John's been doing this for three weeks, maybe he's in a sequel. Yeah. And he, uh, surviving returning characters don't often do well in sequels. But if you recognize this, then you can take the appropriate actions to actually survive. Yep. Getting the fuck out. Yep. yep. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be the main protagonist, true. No. You know, ideally, you want to be a background character who doesn't go in on the adventure. Yeah, the, the the background character is perfect for those who do recognize the rules because they can do something so simple as getting out, and you never see him again in the movie. Yep. Just gone forever. We the see neighbors it every in once Halloween. In the neighbors in Halloween. <laughs> they, they are the, the golden... The, the cameraman in Scream. The cameraman in <laughs> <and> Scream. Yeah, <laughs> Joel. Bye. Joel in Scream 2. Not in Scream 1, because he died. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Joel in Scream 2. Another great example. Yeah. I, get out. <laughs> I can't stress it enough. <laughs> and being a main character in a previous... I know you've already mentioned that being in a sequel, you'd... If you're a returning character, that you're not always safe. But you're not even always safe being the returning protagonist. We've seen that in Nightmare. We've seen it in Friday. Yep. We've seen it in... Halloween? Halloween. Yeah, because Lori dies. No, and, Dr. Loomis dies. Yeah. You're not safe. And you're probably not the main character. You're not that special. Everybody remember, you're not special. <laughs> Anyone could die at any time. Ryan Durden over here. <laughs> so, uh, Tracy and Maggie return to the shelter and. They try and explain what happened, but nobody has any memory of Spencer, Carlos, or John. They've been erased. Except Doc. Doc's like, yeah, I can control my dreams, so I remember everything. So that's okay. spooky, but okay, sure. That's how that works now. 
No rules. No, no rules. The only rule is there are no rules. <laughs> so Maggie, she's getting suspicious uh, about what John has said. She goes to her mom's house and finds an adoption certificate. Maggie is adopted. Who uh, knew? Anybody who understands anything about story structure should have been able to figure this out about 10 minutes in. <laughs> to the surprise of no one, Maggie's Freddie's daughter. So at this point, everyone just goes to sleep because maybe they assume Freddie can't leave Springwood. Uh, he's never been able to do that before, but whatever. Maggie dreams about her mom discovering the basement uh, in their house. There's a hidden room or like a Freddy's like secret room. Her mom went in there and it turns out she found like all of his killing tools. Yeah, just just to be clear, not the mom that she just yeah, saw with the, the the adoption certificate. It's Freddy's wife, uh, Loretta, I think was her name. Yeah, that sounds right. Uh, birth mom. Yeah. And then young Maggie, little kid Maggie goes in there and sees all the killing tools. A lot of cool-looking ones. Like, there was one where it was just the knuckles uh, had nails in them. Yeah. I want to see a movie with that one. Pretty cool. And then she transforms into adult Maggie, um, but still wearing her kid clothes, which is super creepy. It looks really fetish-y. Yeah. I would say this like looks straight from a porno. Yeah, like a really creepy one. Ugh, don't like that. Nope. Basically, she had promised not to tell. I'm like, I won't tell. And adult Freddy, or Freddy confronts her and is like, yeah, but you told, and uh, they took you away from me. This is all your fault. So Freddy got caught because his daughter told on him. Wow. Which I did criticize this movie for basically giving us backstory that we already had. This was one nugget of information that was new. But I, I do like that it, Maggie was the one. And yes. little kid Maggie ratted Freddy out. That's yes. kind of cool. So Freddy's plan is to move on to every single town, and he's now outside the youth shelter. Maggie's like, yeah, but you're not in Springwood anymore. And he's like, but every town has an Elm Street and makes an Elm Street sign up here. So good. I mean, yeah, there's a lot of, there actually are a lot of cities there's out there. One that here have in Fargo. Elm Streets. I've I, been there. Oh, I grew God. up in a town that doesn't have an Elm Street, though. Oh. So I would have been safe. Uh, one of my good buddies, uh, uh, he's been on the podcast. He's a child's play correspondent, Nick Guimont. Uh, he used to live over on Elm Street. Um, if Oof. I can be honest, um, I'm, I'm a homeowner. Uh, when we were sh- searching for our houses, not only was I looking specifically on Elm Street, I I looked up the address to see if I could get a house that was 1428 Elm Street. <laughs> oh, see, I would have just avoided anything Elm Street just because. <laughs> I mean, you see all the houses over there in Fargo here, and they're like they're a little bit older, so it's like, you know what? This could have some sort of history. <laughs> and uh, to be fair, Elm Street's right by the river. And we get flooding here. I yep. wouldn't want to live anywhere near Elm Street just because no. of No, no, no. And I didn't buy a house on Elm Street. I just, that was one of the areas yeah. I looked strictly because I love this franchise. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's my second favorite franchise ever made behind the James Bond series. So Maggie wakes up from her, her nightmare at this point. Meanwhile, Tracy is having a nightmare. She's in her old apartment and is getting almost molested by her dad. Don't like that. This is the low point of the movie. This sucks. But then she beats the crap out of him with a coffee pot. And so then I guess that's good. Yeah. And then he turns back into Freddy, and they with have a, a smushed in face. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> they, have a, they have a fight. But this is so dark, and it does not match the tone of the rest of this series at all, or the rest of this movie at all. Yeah. But Tracy, she realizes, oh, I'm just gonna like go over to the oven and stick my wrists in the fire, and I'll wake up, and it works perfectly. Tracy's home free. Call back to movie one. Yeah, yeah. Nancy did that in the first yeah. movie. Yeah, because she uh, hits the the boiler room pipe. I like it. Good job. She's safe now. Tracy wakes up, and she and Maggie go to find Doc, because Freddy's here. It's, it, we're in the home stretch now. Doc, meanwhile, uh, we'll just spoil the twist for Doc at this point, because uh, it makes sense. So Doc already somehow knows Freddy's coming. So he's put himself in a dream 
with like sensors on his head and a timer to wake him up. Yeah, so it's a straight up alarm clock. Yeah. Um, so he's just like walking around with a baseball bat, rule number five, lock and load. My man. <laughs> looking for Freddy. And he finds him and just proceeds to beat the shit out of Freddy with a baseball bat for like two minutes straight. And then Freddy comes back just fine. Uh, counts down the ways that people have tried to kill him by cutting off his fingers in an homage to number one. Yep. But Doc, wait, you know, he's just kind of stalling, basically, because he's trying to test a theory. And he grabs part of Freddy's shirt as the countdown hits, uh, kind of like Inception style. Yeah. And uh, wakes up, and he's got the piece of shirt in his, uh, so he can, he realizes, okay, this will work. We can drag him out of the dream and into the real world, just like a Nightmare 1. This is also where we get maybe the biggest exposition dump where Freddy reveals that he is the host for these dream demons yep. that were set up in the beginning. It's dumb. It's my least favorite part of the movie. Yeah. It takes away a lot of the mythos of Freddy to give it this really stupid reasoning, and I don't like it. We don't need it. We don't need the dream demons, if I'm being honest. They don't do anything in the movie either. It's not like they power him up. They're hilarious to watch in action, and that's <sighs> True. the one thing I like about them, is with their scenes when they do show up, they're hilarious. They add nothing to the movie. The cons of them outweigh that one. Yeah, problem. I'll agree with that. Well, because it's basically like you have you're you're so confused about like okay like how'd Freddy get here, and then it's like okay well this is I guess a reasoning like he came back and can haunt people's dreams because he got burned alive. Sure, I don't really get how, but I'm just gonna go with it because it's a movie. Sure. And then you get the demons like okay that connects that, but then okay why how, why are the demons here now? So you ba- you're basically left with the exact same question. You're left with more which questions. Is <laughs> It's like, why? Didn't need this. Nope. And so Doc, his plan is to send Maggie into the dream world to grab Freddy and drag him out. And the way to do this is they need to go into Freddy's brain somehow. And to do this, she's got to take some 3D glasses into the movie with her. And when she's in the dream, she puts them on and this will allow her to enter Freddy's brain. Sure. You know what I don't get? Why didn't Doc just do this himself? He clearly knows how it works better than Maggie does. He's Maybe. clearly equipped to take on Freddy better than Maggie is. Two reasons, I think. One, sacrifice Maggie. So <laughs> Fair enough. I, I, I hope that's the reason. He's, he's in it for his own survival. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah uh, send someone else to do the uh, sacrificial lamb role. <laughs> he's following our new rule. He's not assuming he's the protagonist. Yes, yes, yes exactly right. Doc assumes he's not the protagonist. He's correct. <laughs> that's great. And uh, Got two uses. Wow. <laughs> I can't believe this. Told you it was a good rule. And another reason maybe it's because he assumes Maggie might have an advantage because they're blood relatives. That could be because it, it was made clear that he was like trying, not necessarily trying to kill her, but almost trying to groom her to be a, a successor of sorts yeah. or a teammate. But yeah, that's the plan. They send him in or send Maggie in to grab Freddy basically. And then once she's got him, they'll pull her out with the Doc's machine, the alarm clock machine. So Maggie, she goes into the dream, puts on the 3D glasses and enters the dream demon poster somehow. It becomes an archway. Sure. In 3D. <laughs> and goes into Freddy's head. Freddy's dead, Freddy's head. <laughs> and so to get into his mind, all the doors are electrified. So she actually is kind of clever, and she uses like a metal bracelet she has to like turn off the electricity. Oh, is that what that was? Yeah. yeah. I thought this was just some random stuff. Like, I stopped really like paying attention to me because <laughs> I'm fair. like, they're just showing off 3D stuff now, so I no, can stop paying attention. <laughs> there was some actual logic behind it, something this movie doesn't do a lot of. Okay. 
And so we get a bunch of flashbacks to Freddy's life. When he's a little kid, uh, we see him killing a mouse and being bullied by a bunch of kids. Not just killing a mouse. It was the class hamster. Class, yeah, he, was, yeah. he was in class, and he took the hamster out like he was just petting it, puts it down on the table, and picks up a sledgehammer. And kills it. And just crushes it. I don't know why a sledgehammer was sitting here, first of all. <laughs> Agree. Uh, they were asking for someone it's to do It's all off screen, thank God. Yeah, no, it's it's like uh, they, they frame it so that the table with the cage is out, is out. So when he puts the hamster down, you don't see it again. You just see him bringing up the hammer and hear the sound effects it's the other really dark scene yeah. in the movie and then all the classmates are teasing him saying you're the son of a hundred maniacs son of a hundred maniacs kids are the worst they are then we get a uh, teenage freddy getting abused by his foster father who's played by alice frickin cooper amen love alice cooper love this cameo sure <laughs> and freddy finally stands up to his foster father and kills him. But for uh, Mr. Alice Cooper, rule number four, don't be a menace. Don't beat your kids. Don't take in kids that you're not equipped to take care of. And maybe the only murder by Freddy that's justified? Um, I guess it's up in yeah. the air if you can ever really justify murder. But yeah, If someone's beating you. You know, if, if it were if it were more of a self defense thing, I'd agree. But it's yeah. more like a revenge thing, where he's like, "I can't yeah. feel pain anymore because I've taught myself to block it out. Now I'm gonna kill you." True, you could definitely do self defense without murder here. Yeah. yeah. So I guess it's up in the air if you can ever justify murder. But if if you can, this I guess would fall under one of the more justifiable. We'll just say I don't feel bad for uh, Mr. Um, uh, Alice Cooper's character. Oh, neither do I. <laughs> nope. And then we get. Freddy being torched in by the uh, the parents of Springwood. Yeah, we actually get to see it, which I really like. I really like that they showed it, but it was very just... He was just standing there. Yeah, <laughs> he was being seduced by the dream demons. You're going to like the remake. They, they show it. Oh, yeah, it's nice. It's pretty It's better cool. in the remake. It's which really I guess good. I guess he did say that he doesn't feel pain anymore, so there's that. But yeah, so it's burning down, and then the dream demons appear, and they're like, Hey, Freddy... You want to be like a mortal or something, dude? I want it all! <laughs> you want to, like, not die or something? <laughs> and, for, yeah, Freddy just shouts, I want it all. And they're like, okay, cool. You're going to live forever. Open up, and you will be forever. <laughs> this probably is an extremely important part of just the history of, of this character, and it takes about 10 seconds. <laughs> Almost like it was probably an afterthought. <laughs> <laughs> yep, so that happens. And then the final one is Maggie finally sees Freddy killing his wife, Maggie's birth mother, Loretta, just like strangling her in the backyard. Yeah. And for Loretta. <laughs> I was waiting. I was hoping that you'd bring it up because I was ready. Rule number 24, trust no one. Don't ever get married. Your spouse might be a serial killer. I take offense also, to that. Also, <laughs> you could even start to dive into play stupid games, win stupid prizes, because you, you heard a little bit from, from Freddy about saying, like, I told you not to go down there, and I, I don't know what she knew before this. Sure. But she might have already knew that um, her husband wasn't the greatest guy. I guess, help me find what rule this might fall under, but when we see little kid Maggie going through, it's an actual cellar. They have food and milk and stuff stored down there, and the door is open, and there was a clear padlock on there that Loretta unlocked and opened so I guess I don't know exactly what rule that would fall under but that's got to be a rule break that she actively went looking for this but at the same time if you suspect like okay so she Freddy's got a secret room that obviously he's been like don't ever go in there that's my personal space you gotta wonder what is he hiding is he cheating 
Is he uh, just got like a porn dungeon in there? What is he hiding? Oh, he's a serial counterpoint. It's one of those uh, outside going through the the open doors cellars. There's no attachment to the actual house. Why are you gonna do this when he's in the backyard with your daughter? I would say do it when he's not. That's fair. Do it when he's at his boiler room job or when he's out killing another kid. (laughs) That's absolutely fair. Bad timing to do some snooping. I can understand wanting to snoop into that for sure, but. Worst and, timing ever. And that's more what I meant as far as the rule break, is that she's doing it while Freddy's here. Rule 10, don't panic. She discovers it, she could just lock it back up yep. and wait for a moment to go get the police. I mean, it's it's the 60s, but I mean, he's outside. You could very easily go inside and dial 911 quick and just kind of hunker down um, and just, I mean, it's depressing to say, but hope he doesn't kill your daughter in the, pr- in the meantime. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, Loretta could have handled this better. For yeah. Sure. Uh, scenario two, by the way, is that he left it unlocked, and she just stumbled across us, which, rule number 25, lock your doors. Yeah, <laughs> Freddy, what the hell? Um, yeah, yeah, nope, that's, uh, that is a fair point. Maybe Freddy was sloppy. Possible. If you're going to be a serial killer, don't be sloppy. Yeah. I guess it's, he's not shown a, having a history of being sloppy, but we have no proof that he didn't get yeah. sloppy here. It's possible he made a mistake. Yeah. Left it open, and Loretta just like... Why is there finger glove knife thing? Why do you have all of these newspaper clippings of the missing children? Wait a minute. What? (laughs) (laughs) So Freddy confronts Maggie and she beats him with a pipe and then grabs him and gives Doc the opportunity to pull them from the dream world into the real world. So they go like searching for him and then they're somewhere in the shelter. So the first thing they do is actually pretty cool. They go downstairs to the contraband room with pipe bombs and knives and throwing stars and all this crazy shit. There's a crossbow. Rule five, <laughs> lock and load. Where are these children getting this? <laughs> it's amazing. It's really awesome. I do like it. Now, Doc and Tracy run off to go find him and they kind of leave Maggie behind because she's just like not going to go with for some reason. And she finds Freddy in, like, the next room in the basement. And they end up having a, a big old kerfuffle. But at first, Freddy's like, oh, no, I'm a sympathetic character. Yeah, and he's he's masked as uh, as Ro- his Robert England form. Yeah, he's not wearing any makeup. Yeah, he's uh, in the in the flashbacks. He's being It's Freddy played by Robert England still yeah. without any makeup. And he's that, but with the knife glove and the sweater now. And he's trying to appeal to her, like, oh, they, did you see what they did to me when I was a kid? And she doesn't really buy it. No, um, so not she's, for a second. She's fighting him. They, they they have a big old scuffle. She gets a couple of licks in using his own glove against him. Stabs him with like a pipe at one point. Bends his fingers back until yep. the bones snap. She bites his nose, breaks his hand, does all this stuff. But she isn't really doing it with any speed. She's like, does one thing and says a dramatic line and then kind of waits for him to hit back. And it's just like, double tap, rule six. You just keep wailing on him until he's dead. She's taking her sweet time doing this stuff. Yeah, take your shot. It applies not just once. Yep. You, like, you kind of think about that as like, oh, you have like a gun. Like, take your shot. Anything that only takes one thing to take this person down. No, take your shot over and over again if it's open and that person is weak and defenseless. Take the shot. But eventually, Tracy and Doc come back and they just start sliding weapons to her under the the gate because Freddy locks him out. Here you go. Here you go. (laughs) Yeah, Tracy has wire cutters or something and she cuts some of the chain link around it. And just starts passing weapons to her and letting her do the fighting. And they're just like, hey, we'll just stay over here. There's like a weird, like, Almost, it was like a, just a bunch of like cuts of a bunch of different clips, almost in montage style of just throwing just these different objects. It's wild. That they it. also repeat the same knife throw like three times in a row. Really? I'm okay with yeah. that. I'm really okay with it. 
but she ends up pinning Freddy to like a, a wall using knives and uh, the crossbow and all this and a crowbar just jammed through yep. his hand. She gets his glove and Freddy's like starting to cut, cut himself free and he's like, yeah, put it on. Let me show you how to kill. Uh, creepier than that. Creepier than he that. calls himself daddy. Doesn't it feel good? <laughs> Ooh, I hate it. Skin crawl. But Maggie ends up just stabbing him with his own glove. And then finally, this is the best, Tracy takes out the pipe bomb, <laughs> fucking lights it, tosses it to Maggie. Which you don't know how how fast this is going to burn, by the yeah, way. Yeah, you don't, I'm no expert on bombs. You don't even know if it's made properly. It could blow up in your hands. <laughs> tosses it to Maggie. She catches it, impales it in Freddy, gives him a kiss, says, happy Father's Day, and runs away. Doc pulls down the door with his bare hands, just beasts his way, and the three of them run away, and Freddy blows up. But before he does, he goes, kids. <laughs> Boom! So he blows up. The dream demons... Uh, Disappear. They, they, they come... They're in the real world. I've actually looked this up before. So the dream demons can reform Freddy if he dies in the dream realm, but they don't have the same power in the real world. So they just kind of go away to find the next Freddy Krueger, basically. Um, at least that's what the one... I think it was like a Nightmare on Elm Street wiki thing that I read. I don't know where the source is for that, but it, it makes as much sense as anything else in this movie. <laughs> and his head also kind of flies out, too. Yeah. A yeah. couple of times. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, a, it's an effect. Oh, by the way, we're still in 3D. We're still in 3D. <laughs> in the real world. Yeah, because uh, Maggie, when she gets out of the, the dream, her glasses haven't like reformed. She's like, I'm still seeing everything like I did in the dream. So, real quick, for Freddy, simply rule number four, don't be a menace. He is a case study in don't be a menace. But the movie ends with our three surviving heroes, Maggie, Tracy, and Doc, all just kind of smiling like idiots at each other. Maggie takes off her 3D glasses and goes, Freddy's dead. (laughs) Yeah! Cue title card, cue rock and roll, cue credits montage of... Two movies that are significantly better than this one, and th- uh, three movies that are not. <laughs> <laughs> we see basically every kill in the series. Yeah. And then it ends, uh, before we go into the, the rest of the credits, it ends on just a picture of Freddy with R.I.P. on it. Rip Freddy. Freddy's dead. Fucking love it. I love this movie. I criticized it a lot, but it is pure joy, pure entertainment value. All right, so we got one new rule for Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and that is rule number 50. We made it to the big 5-0. Don't assume you're the protagonist. Proud of you, man. John made that mistake, but Doc did follow this rule. It's good stuff. It's a good rule. It's a good rule. I like it. So let's get into some awards. First, we have the Randy Meeks Merit Badge, which goes to the character who did the best job at following the rules. And this is, of course, based off Randy Meeks from Scream, the best movie character ever. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a horror movie. Uh, who are you guys thinking for the Randy Meeks Merit Badge? I really think it can only be Doc. Doc is good. Doc and Tracy were definitely the top two. Yeah. Yeah. Maggie slash Catherine uh, were fine. Uh, they were they fine. didn't really do a whole lot she, of negatives. She just kind of existed. Yeah. The, I mean, basically, the entire final fight was good just because she, it, even though they were delayed, she still did a good job at fighting him. But not not better than than those other two. Yeah. Um, the the only one that I really pointed out was Doc, so I would second him. Yeah, Maggie and Tracy both split up from people twice. 
and Tracy was part of that Spencer Carlos trio that were just way too chill about being trapped in a town. So that basically just leaves Doc. He wasn't in most of the movie. Good for him. Yep. <laughs> he sent Maggie in to do the dirty work. Yep. And he also <laughs> great he, move. And, and despite that, he also did take a very proactive role in trying to end this. He knew Freddie was coming, so instead of panicking or anything, he just prepared himself. And he's like, you know what? I can't avoid this. I got a theory I want to try while I'm at it. Let me prepare myself. So that I can come out of this alive. Yeah, being proactive is huge. Yeah, he, I think he had a hundred percent success rate in everything he tried. He did. Plus, uh, he used a new rule. Yep. With he he used a rule that he didn't know existed. As, <laughs> you know, for a supporting side character in the final movie in a, a slasher series, you'd think he's dead meat. Nope, he makes it. So good for Doc. I think Doc is the clear winner of the Randy Meeks merit badge. Um, so good for Doc. And then we have the Night of the Living Pleb Award, which goes to the character who did the worst job at following the rules. And this is, of course, based off Barbara from Night of the Living Dead, the worst movie character ever. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. And I think this one's pretty easy. It's I, Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to call out John, just because his... I know he only breaks a couple of rules, one of them being the new one, but his break of that one is so egregious that there's no proof he wouldn't have survived that. Like, if he would, like, we don't know for sure that Freddy wouldn't have just forgotten about him if he didn't keep putting himself in Freddy's way. So I do want to call that out. John is definitely a dishonorable mention. Yep. I think it's got to be Spencer. I agree. Yeah, I, th- I think it is too. It before and before you go on to to Spencer, I wonder, I wonder if John would have lived if he would have just. Gone to sleep. I like. I know that. I know he would have had to deal with like weird dreams that would have followed him probably the rest of his life, and into or until his memory came yeah. back. But that's better than dying. And I mean, Freddie made it a point. Like he doesn't need John. He needs John alive until Freddie can get to Maggie because John is the last Elm Street kid aside from Maggie. Mm-hmm. So he needs John right now. If John wouldn't have knocked himself out. And kept putting himself in Freddy's way, thinking he's the big hero who's going to save the day. Freddy might have just forgotten about him, honestly. Like, okay, I've got my daughter now. Um, I'll kill you if I get to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that the the not the failing to leave town for Carlos, Tracy, and Spencer, and like just like not thinking it was weird that they are driving in a maze. Absolutely, he was aloof for basically all of it. And then he gets high at, in a haunted house. Yeah. What are you doing, Spencer? Uh, so Spencer is the Night of the Living Pleb, and he's not still living anymore. Down the butthole of nightmares he goes. <laughs> and, and I do agree. I just I needed to call out yeah. John's. You know me. I like to throw out the dishonorable mentions. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Josh is also a big proponent of the dishonorable mentions, which I appreciate. All right. Well, it's been really fun. Josh, I, I'm going to assume you're going to come back for Wes Craven's New Nightmare. I mean, if I've stuck through all the way through this movie, I, I have to. It really does only go up from here, not just from entertainment, but also from just filmmaking. Thank God. Yeah. I mean, because that is three straight movies where it's just chugging along. <laughs> Higher batting average than most slasher franchises, though. Let's be fair. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you you haven't seen anything. You haven't even you've you've seen one Friday the Thirteenth. True, and I have no desire to see any others. And you're gonna watch two more. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, Jordan, you are a special guest on this podcast. You didn't reserve it, but we had to have you here. So you get to reserve a movie, any movie that hasn't already been reserved. So, what would you like to talk about on the podcast? Let's go with Little Shop of Horrors. I like it. That's a, those are fun. Those are fun. They are. I like both of those movies a lot. So that'll be fun. Killer plants. And I think, uh, assuming the list doesn't get moved around or nothing else gets added later, I think this is going to be the first musical we cover. Nope. 
And nope. in the apocalypse is a musical. Oh, is it? Yeah. Ah, oh, darn. Yeah. Oh well. Derek Beauty the Punch on the Apocalypse. Of darn course, you, of course, Derek. Derek. Of course, Derek has the first horror musical. Yeah, that's a, that's a real Derek movie right there. <laughs> Okay, so next week we're going to be doing Tusk. We're finally getting around to Tusk. Sound more excited. Uh, yeah. Uh, so that'll be with a brand new guest who will be appearing for the first time. Yeah. Uh, this has been really fun, guys. Thank you for coming on. Uh, do you want to throw out any social media? Uh, yeah, you can follow me, Twitter, Instagram, whatever, at jwessler. That's J-W-E-H-S-E-L-E-R. Follow because you feel sorry for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I guess as always, I tweet at Rai Rai Movie Guy. A lot of movie talk, a lot of just general pop culture. Less sports because there's no real sports going on right now, and I really only follow basketball anyway. So, yeah. You can follow us, of course, at How to Horror. That's How the Number Two Horror, where you can find our list of rules and all of our podcasts. And then go ahead and give us five star ratings on uh, iTunes, and we'll read them on here. We love five stars. That's our favorite number of stars. Oh, do you read all five star ratings on this podcast? Yes. Okay. Yes. So if you even want to just trash Ryan, leave a five-star review. Yeah, if you leave a five-star review, talk as much crap as you want. <laughs> but yes, we do read five-star reviews here. Just don't uh, talk shit about guests. Yes. <laughs> yeah, right. Josh is the worst guest ever. Five stars. <laughs> five stars. <laughs> You're damn right. <laughs> Please someone do that. I will read that multiple times. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, thank you guys. This this has been this might be the most fun I've ever had doing a podcast. Oh, thanks for having me. It was it was nice to come on and talk about a movie that we've talked about so much in private. And got to introduce someone new to the joy that is Freddy's dead. And I'm gonna go hang up this poster in the living room while Josh goes to sleep. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> for the world to see. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. This has been real fun. This has been the How to Survive a Horror Movie podcast. And now more than ever, stay safe out there. Uh, uh.